Hello, and welcome to Just Needs, a podcast where we talk about parenting children with disabilities. I'm your host, Christina Kozik. I, too, am a parent of a child with a disability, and let me just start by saying I'm so glad you're here. On this podcast, I'll talk about everything from receiving a new diagnosis to transitioning your older child out of school and beyond. I'll even explain what things like IEP, IDEA, and SSDI mean. Now, this podcast is a project of Exceptional Lives, a nonprofit organization that supports families like yours. You can learn more about Exceptional Lives at our website, www.exceptionallives.org. Now, grab a seat and listen along as I talk about sensory processing and how it may affect your child and their behavior. We have Jack. Jack is late for school again because his sock is just not fitting the right way. The lines are wrong, he says. Then we have Sarah. Sarah is a bundle of joy as she bounces from room to room, but it's exhausting trying to keep up with her need for movement. Do either of these sound familiar? So our team member, Julie McIsaac, is a learning and mental health consultant, and she works with families interested in supporting their children's learning and development. Many of these families are seeking help because it is hard for their child to remain calm and engaged at school or at home. Sometimes this is fairly easy to identify, like Jackson runs out of the room every time we do math, but sometimes it's more complex, like Jillian sometimes puts her head down in class or rushes through work, but not all the time, and sometimes there's a lot of conflict at home. When Julie meets with these parents, she always asks about their child's sensory likes or dislikes, but why? She asks about the child's sensory profile because this helps her to start to understand the child's experiences in the world. Many of us have kids who need headphones to block some noise in the auditorium, or they need a wiggly seat to sit on during quiet time. Sometimes kids will even have built-in body breaks, like when a teacher sends a child to another teacher to deliver a note. I've even seen desks with bike pedals attached to them so a child can keep moving while sitting. These are all great ideas, and they're often very useful, but the magic is not to find a few things that work for some. The magic is in better understanding your child's sensory profile and building and support from there. Sensory integration was studied extensively by Dr. A. Jean Ayers, an occupational therapist in California, and it's defined as a process by which people register, modulate, and discriminate sensations received throughout their sensory systems. So what does all that mean? Does your child seek sensation or do they avoid it? Maybe it's different for different sensory systems. So what are the sensory systems we're talking about? Lindsay Beal, O-T-R-L-M-A, and Nancy Pesky have graciously permitted us to share the following sensory checklists. These have been adapted from the book, Raising a Sensory Smart Child, the definitive handbook for helping your child with sensory processing issues. And I will have a link in the show notes to the checklist and to the book. First, let's talk about touch. Maybe your child loves to be touched. They might say something like, draw on my back, or maybe they hate it. If you love touch, it may be confusing if your child avoids your hugs. Some sensory avoiders have even described their clothing tags as feeling like sandpaper on their skin. Here are some of the ways sensitivity to touch might show up in your child. Maybe they love or hate being touched on some body parts. Maybe they don't like cuddles or hugs. Certain clothing fabrics, seams, tags, waistbands, or cuffs may feel terrible. Remember those sock seams I mentioned a few minutes ago that never lined up right? That child is not trying to make your life difficult. 
he just really can't tolerate the seams being uneven. Or maybe he can't tolerate sock seams at all. Do you have a child that always wears clothing, shoes, or accessories that are very tight or very loose? Does your child sometimes wear their shoes on the wrong feet? They might be sensory seeking. Do they refuse to wear a scarf even when it's freezing out because they can't tolerate anything being around their neck? That could be sensory avoidance. Do you have a kid that loves or hates getting their hands, face, or other body parts messy with things like paint, glue, sand, food, or lotion? Maybe your child hates art class or they always want to eat with their hands. They are telling you how they feel about these sensory experiences. Next, I want to talk about proprioception or body sense. Julie McIsaac can best describe this sense by thinking of her child who would jump on a trampoline all day if he could and definitely loves chomping on cucumbers like it's going out of style. He's a sensory seeker, but they have a good friend who is a sensory avoider. He feels really agitated when the blindfold covers his eyes during a pinata activity. It's very disorientating and dysregulating for him. Here's what it might look like in your child. Do you have a child that's constantly roughhousing, bouncing, or hanging? This is not unusual for children. They love to bounce on the couch because it feels good. It drives us parents crazy, but it's definitely a part of childhood. But if your child does this constantly, they're definitely giving you a message about their needs. Avoidance of or a love of very crunchy or smooth foods, similar to Julie's son and his love of eating entire cucumbers whole, but it could also be refusing to eat anything that's smooth like yogurt or applesauce. Does your child have difficulty with fine motor tasks like writing or playing with snap together toys? Does your child have terrible handwriting? This might be a sensory issue. Then you have vestibular or movement sense. Seekers, like my child, will say more swinging or they will spin in the kitchen until they fall down unfazed. But avoiders do not like the feeling of being unstable or being asked to do things like somersaults. They might hate anything that involves their feet leaving the ground. A child who struggles with this sense might enjoy being moved passively by another person, such as being rocked or twirled or pulled in a wagon. They may avoid less stable ground surfaces like thick carpet, sand, or snow. Does your child hate the sandbox at the playground? They might be avoiding the shifty feeling that sand causes. Next is auditory or listening. Some of us may feel really calm when listening to Georgian chanting, and others may feel like we're going to crawl out of our skin. One of the children that Julie works with becomes overstimulated immediately when in a movie theater, but another one of the kids loves it while it's happening, but then has a really hard time recovering from the stimulation when they leave. So here's what that sense might look like in your child. Maybe they love watching TV at a really high volume, or maybe they like it at a really low volume. What about background noise, like soft music or a dishwasher while your child is working on a task? I know for me, this is something I need constantly. It's so hard for me to focus when it's too quiet. And then other kids, they might not like singing with other people, or they might get overwhelmed very easily by loud places. Then vision, or how we see and interpret what we see in the world. Is it calming for me to create lines of objects or to look at wheel spinning? Or does my nervous system go into overdrive when lots of lights flash across the screen? For your child, they may struggle with activities that need a lot of hand and eye coordination, like puzzles or sports. They also might be sensitive to bright lights. They may even feel overwhelmed in visually busy places like a grocery store. 
It took me years to figure out why I was always exhausted after going to the grocery store. Turns out I was just way overstimulated. Last, we have taste or smell. Are there patterns that you can identify with your child's sensitivity or avoidance of certain tastes or smells? Do you have any memories of things that you love to smell or taste? How did it make you feel? Think about how good it feels to eat watermelon on a hot summer day or the disgust you feel when you bite into something and it has an entirely different taste or texture than you expected. Your child may resist trying new foods or they might love strong tasting foods like pickles, olives, or hot peppers. Maybe as toddlers, they love to eat the lemon slice from your drink at a restaurant. Does your kid gravitate toward the same foods all the time? While this is typical for many kids, especially when they're young, kids with strong sensory preferences can get extra comfort and routine and predictability out of eating those same foods. There are no surprises, and it might be just what they need. Now, these checklists are not going to give you any answers. We're going to do better than that. They're going to give you information. They're giving you an opportunity to think more deeply about how your child is walking through the world. Maybe you'll reflect a bit on how you are walking through this world as well. What sensory needs do you have that you might not even think about because you're so good at managing them? How do you behave when you're overwhelmed or when you haven't moved your body enough? And if you're lucky, this may lead to you thinking about how we each have our own likes and dislikes that show up in our interactions with one another and our family members. And if you're wondering where to go next, check out our resource directories for Massachusetts and Louisiana to find an occupational therapist in your area. You can find this on our website, www.exceptionallives.org. If you're not in either one of those states, you can go to www.sensorysmarts.com for resources to find an occupational therapist near you. You can ask your service provider about a sensory diet for your child. A sensory diet is a set of activities and tools planned at different times throughout the day to support your child's regulation. It can be a great tool for children and is a huge help for struggling parents. There are so many simple tools that you can use to help. As a parent, you are probably already doing some of these. Do you have a mini trampoline in your living room? Or do you rub lavender scented lotion on your child before bedtime? Do you rush to get your children to the playground before it starts to rain so that way they're not bouncing off the walls while they're stuck indoors later? If you do any of those things, well, then you've already started building a sensory diet for your child. And if you're concerned about your child's sensory integration challenges and how they might be impacting their daily life, contact your doctor and let them know that you're seeking an assessment for sensory processing disorder, or SPD. Again, thank you for being here with me this week. I'd love to hear what you've learned about your child and even yourself. You can drop us a line on Facebook or Instagram at Exceptional Lives and let me know. As always, I hope this information was helpful and insightful. This podcast was written by Julie McIsaac, PhD, Learning and Mental Health Consultant, and presented by me, Christina Kozik, for Exceptional Lives. You can subscribe and follow the podcast at our website, www.exceptionallives.org forward slash just needs podcast. Our website also has blogs, guides, upcoming events, and a resource directory for Massachusetts and Louisiana. If you enjoyed this episode, please let us know by leaving a five-star rating or review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. I enjoy reading your reviews, especially while I sit under my weighted blanket.